0: God, as we were um, singing, you reminded me of your word in Isaiah 61 where you say you take our ashes and in place of them you give us a crown of joy. God, because when we surrender to you, it's not just about giving up, it's about giving into your best. And you take what we lay down and you make it beautiful. And so God, as we approach, our, approach your word, would you stir our hearts to see your goodness Would you stir our hearts to take our heaps of ashes and put them in your hands? God, and would you give us hope to see your crown of beauty that you have for each one of us? In Jesus' name, amen. I want to invite you to have a seat as we approach the word. So as... um, Mark named for us before testimony time, we are in the middle of this itty-bitty little book called Haggai. Um, Haggai is found just a couple books before your New Testament starts, before Matthew. Um, And Haggai is a book um, of the words of the prophet Haggai to the remnant of the people who had been in Judah, people that had been taken into exile and were now returned to the land that God had promised their forefathers And Haggai the prophet comes to speak to them several times. And this morning, we're picking up on Haggai chapter 2, and we'll read verses 10 to 19. That's on page 1475, because it's a really hard little book to find. All right. So starting at verse 10. On the twenty-fourth day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Ask the priests what the law says. If someone carries consecrated meat in the fold of their garment, and that fold touches some bread or stew, some wine, olive oil, or other food, Does it become consecrated? The priests answered, No. Then Haggai said, If a person defiled by contact with a dead body touches one of these things, does it become defiled? Yes, the priests replied. It becomes defiled. Then Haggai said, So it is with this people And this nation in my sight, declares the Lord. Whatever they do and whatever they offer there is defiled. Now give careful thought to this from this day on. Consider how things were before one stone was laid on another in the Lord's temple. When anyone came to a heap of twenty measures, there were only ten. When anyone went to a wine vat to draw 50 measures, there were only 20. I struck all the work of your hands with blight and mildew and hail, yet you did not return to me, declares the Lord. From this day on, from this 24th day of the ninth month, give careful thought to the day when the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid. Give careful thought. Is there yet any seed left in the barn? Until now, the vine and the fig tree, the pomegranate and the olive tree have not borne fruit. From this day on, I will bless you. This is the word of the Lord. Um. So, about a month ago now, I was gifted this super sad looking aloe vera plant. Super sad. You know what aloe vera looks like when it's big and full and it's got all these plumes on it. Um, so, I had a friend in seminary, and she's moving, and she had this great big aloe or aloe plant, and she took it and broke it into little pieces. You plant people know how to do this, I don't know how to do this. So she, so she broke it up and planted them in like cut off juice containers, you know, like a Gatorade bottle, like cut it off and put. So I've got this super sad looking baby aloe with its fuzzy roots everywhere. And I, and I took it home and I named it Alvin, Alvin the aloe. Hoping that if I named it I might keep it alive, you know? I'm not good with plants. <laughs> These are my confessions. Um, But my friend said, you know, if you take it home, I know it looks sad, but you put it in a new pot, and you put some good soil in it that's made for this kind of plant. You put some water in there, and you water it this often, and make sure it gets sun, right? So I took it home, and I did all these things. Like, I followed the instructions meticulously, and Alvin sits on a chair where the sun hits it most of the day. And, you know, a month later, Alvin's in the sun, and I followed all the instructions, But I'm not really sure that he's thriving. Like, his ends are a little dry. You know how aloe plants, like, on the end, they get brown? But I'm not supposed to overwater it, right? So I'm looking at it, and I'm thinking, like, did I do it right? Like, is my labor going to bear fruit? Have I done what I'm supposed to do, and is it going to make any difference? Is my plant going to survive? Now, it's a, it's a silly little story, but it reminded me of some of the questions that I think the people in Haggai had to have been asking as they're taking their whole day to lay brick after brick on this massive temple. See, about three months before this ragtag group of exile survivors heard this morning's message, the prophet Haggai had brought them a similar message that we heard several weeks ago. Haggai had come to say, give careful thought to your ways. It's been 16 years since the Lord made a way for you all to return to this land. 16 years since you were brought back from exile and 16 years since you put any effort into building my temple. Give careful thought, Haggai had said. You've given in to pressure and oppression from your neighbors. You've prioritized your own needs and your own houses over the Lord's. And because of it, you've borne little fruit. Your crops have withered. Your livestock hasn't multiplied. And your needs have not been met, despite your toil. Give careful thought prioritize God's temple, prioritize his presence, pursue God's pleasure and God's honor. And so the people had gotten to work. They obeyed the word of the Lord given through Haggai. And again, Haggai came a second time to say, I am with you. Do you remember that good word? As you are working, I am with you. And the Lord stirred up the leaders and he stirred up the people for his work. And a month into their efforts, a third time the Lord sent the prophet Haggai to the people with this message. It's the message we got last week. This time God reminded his people of who they are and the purposes that he would created them to serve. God made astounding promises to his people that would have exceeded anything that they could have ever fathomed, anything they could even conceive of. Be strong, the Lord had said strongly through Pastor Dave last week. Be strong and do not fear and be strong and work. In a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and I will shake the nations. I will fill this house that we are building with glory that surpasses any glory that sat in the temple before. And in this place, the Lord had said, I will grant my peace. And though they didn't understand, God had just promised them that their obedience would play a role in the coming of the Messiah. Their role in obedience and building this temple would make a way for the coming of Jesus himself. And it's here where we pick up with them this morning. It's been a couple months down the road, and I'm sure they still don't understand the gravity of what they're doing or why. But massive brick by massive brick in in obedience, they're building this temple, the temple that would house the presence of the living God, the very seat of God's kingdom on earth. And with every brick, I'm sure they're asking themselves, like, is this going to work? Are we going to have food to eat? Like we're spending all of our energy and all of our time building this building. Are we doing enough? Is God going to bless our obedience? In the last couple of weeks, as we've walked with these Hebrew people through this process of giving careful thought, God has been doing much among us. And for some who may be hearing this message for the first time, my prayer is that God is stirring you up as well to give careful thought to your life and what God may be calling you to. During this time, God has stirred some of us up to shift our priorities and our schedules. To say no to some things and to say yes to others. To honor God's presence and to pursue it. And we're looking around going, is this really going to work? Can I really live without the extra income? Is it possible for me to do life without this? Or do I have the time and energy to pour into this? Is it going to bear fruit? What is God going to do if I obey? Will it change anything? God has stirred others of us up to give careful thought to our obedience to his will and his ways. We find ourselves wondering, is it really going to matter if I'm completely obedient to what God and his Word say about my attitude? What he says about my relationships? What he says about my living situation? My calling, my habits, my rhythm and pace of life, my devotional life. As Pastor Dave shared with us last week here at Gold Avenue Church, God has been stirring us up for a long time. He's been stirring us up to be those who work to build his kingdom. God has called us to live into his glorious kingdom to come by being obedient. And through our obedience, we will play a role in building his kingdom for the return of our king. This is a profound assignment that goes way beyond anything that any of us could have conceived of or even can conceive of. And I'm sure some of us are looking around going, Okay, God, but how? We're just this small little church. Choice by choice. Moment by moment and brick by brick, will our obedience matter? Will God keep his promise? In the midst of these questions, we see the prophet Haggai coming once more for the fourth time, walking up the dusty roads of Jerusalem to the emerging temple that's buzzing with the activity of busy workers. So the people stop their work and they gather around Haggai and Haggai starts to ask some really odd questions. (laughs) Ask the priest, says Haggai. Ask those who know the law inside out. If a person has consecrated meat, so that's meat that's been blessed, it's considered holy. If he has it wrapped in, in his skirt and it touches other food even between that skirt, does that food become consecrated? As the meat is consecrated. No. The priests reply. But what about the other way around? Asked Haggai. What if if a person touches a dead body? Now death was associated with sin. Because death had entered the world with the fall of sin. And so death and sin are associated. If a person has been in contact with sin. With death. And he touches food. What happens to that food? Does it become defiled? Yes, the priest reply, that food would be defiled if it came in contact with death. Now at this point, I'm assuming these people are about as confused as we are. Like, what, what does this have to do with anything? But Haggai goes on. So it is with you, the Lord had said through Haggai. You. You. You entire nation, who God doesn't even call his nation on this day, everything that you all touched is defiled because you were defiled. Haggai goes on to say that whatever the people do and whatever they offer is defiled. And he says, there, this mysterious there. See, Haggai is looking back with the people. And he's looking back to the time before they began to work on this temple. To the time where they're referred to this open air altar that they had constructed outside of the temple because the temple was not yet built. The things you offered there in that time and place when God wasn't your priority, they're defiled, Haggai says. Give careful thought from this day on about the life you had before you began to work on the temple. Don't forget how you neglected God and his priorities. Don't forget about how you sowed much and reaped little, about the hail and the mold and the mildew that took your crops. Don't forget about how the Lord withheld his favor from you because you were disobedient. Give careful thought to your choices and your motivation. Three times in this passage alone, Haggai calls the people to look back and give careful thought. And three times Haggai calls the people to look forward, saying, From this day on. From this day on, things will be different. From this day on, give careful thought to how things have been because it's going to be different. Because you're going to consecrate yourselves through obedience. Now, this whole way through in Haggai, it's been sort of odd that Haggai gives us those little time stamps. Have you noticed that? This morning we read that Haggai came to deliver this message on the 24th day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius. For such a short book, it's a weird amount of time to tell us about where we are. Now, it's an old way of telling time, but historians tell us that what it means is that we're looking at the months of November and December today. And during this time of year, in the land of Israel, all of your, your seeds would have been sown. Your crops are in the ground. It's that crucial time of year, much like our summer, where the crop yield is entirely dependent upon weather. Which means, really, it's dependent upon God. It's the time of year when farmers are constantly looking out, wondering, is it going to rain? Is the sun going to shine? Is it going to storm and take my crops? Or are there going to be pests that will come and eat my crops? For the Hebrew people, this is the time of year where for 16 years consecutively, famine, hail, and mildew had ruined their crops. This is the true test. They've been obedient. Will God bless them for their obedience with sun and rain? Haggai answers their wonderings when he says, Is there seed in your barns? You don't have grapes or figs or olives yet, says the Lord through Haggai. But from this day, I will bless you. As one commentator put it, though there was no sign of leaf or fruit on the trees, nothing by which one could judge the future produce, yet the prophet predicts an abundant crop flowing From the people's obedience. You obeyed. God was saying. I see you and you've consecrated yourselves. You have set yourselves apart. And I will bless the work of your hands. From this day on. I will bless you. Consecration. It's a big word. So the Hebrew word is hodesh. Can we all say that? Hodesh. I just like that Q there. And it means Sacred holy, of God, and set apart. In other words, it's going from one thing to another, from defiled to clean. Now, the remnant of God's people had gone from being the people of self to the people of God, people of disobedience to people of obedience, people of defilement to people of consecration. And consecration yields God's blessings. It doesn't guarantee an easy life. It doesn't even remove the difficulties of life, but it does yield God's stirring. It yields his empowerment, his strength, his favor, his faithfulness, and his peace. We've seen the fruit of consecration at Gold Avenue Church. Years ago, long before I was even here, God called Gold Avenue Church to be a people of prayer. And the church obeyed. We've trained people to prayer. We've, meet, we've met consistently on Wednesdays to pray, before church to pray, after church to pray. We've been praying for revival. And out of this consecration, this obeying what God asked us to do, this produced the Growing the Church conference in November, where over a hundred pastors and leaders came to learn about the person and work of the Holy Spirit. This consecration is what produced the Empowered for Witness where 150-ish people come every Thursday night to hear about the goodness of God and the work and person of the Holy Spirit. God called us to pray for revival. And we prayed, we obeyed, and God is fulfilling and answering his promise. Consecrate yourselves, the Lord has been and is continuing to say to us, I want to bless you. Just as I blessed this remnant to prepare a way for Jesus, I'm going to bless you to play a role in preparing a way for God's return. For the come of his kingdom. Now, I don't want to take away from this glory, right? Does this excite you? Like this is glorious. But I believe that in his wisdom and grace, the Lord also has a bit of a warning to give us this morning. And it happens in this weird cryptic question and answer session that we read between Haggai and the priests. The long of the short here is that sin spreads quickly. Just like we see this coronavirus spreading across the globe. If something defiled touches something neutral, even between something else it can still spread. It's easy to fall into sin, and sin spreads like wildfire. Not so with consecration. If something clean touches something neutral, it doesn't become clean. If my right hand is clean, and I clasp it with my left hand that is dirty, they're both dirty, right? As I was preparing for this message, I was reminded of how in the Gospels we see Jesus touching lepers. People with leprosy, with open sores all over their skin. Now these are people that were deemed unclean and defiled and people that you were not supposed to touch because you would become unclean. And yet Jesus touches them. And when Jesus touches them, they're made clean. It defies the principle The process of consecration for us as fallen human beings is never finished. But it is the process of constantly and consistently submitting every area of our lives. That's our joys. That's our disappointments. It's our hopes. It's our dreams. It's everything we've got. Submitting them to Jesus for him to make clean. Jesus is the one who makes us clean. Jackie, I'm so glad you shared your testimony this morning because this is exactly what God led Jackie to do, right? Like, all these areas that I'm holding on to, she took and gave it to Jesus. And he said it right and lifted the stress and the pressure and made it clean. And so I believe this morning the Lord is saying to us, consecrate yourselves unto me, unto God, to be made clean. Consecrate yourselves entirely. So that your defilement will not spread. So that it will not defile the work of your hands. Consecrate yourselves unto God. So that through us he can do something so profound. We can't even conceive of it. Consecrate yourselves Unto God so that he can bless us to be those who build his kingdom. To be those who usher in his rule and his reign over all. And to be those who make a way for his return. Amen. Let's pray. God, I thank you um, for the reminder that you stirred up before we even opened your word that... What we give to you, you make beautiful. And so, Lord, again, as you've stirred us to think about consecration and about surrender, Lord, I pray wherever we're at on this journey that you would continue to stir us to see your goodness. Do you continue to stir faith to trust that you're good, Lord, so that we can surrender, so that we can consecrate. Lord, would you help us to be those who are consecrated holy unto you? And would we be those who receive your promise that from this day on, you will bless us? Amen.